It is good to be at Northside Baptist Church this morning. I am so glad to be back. I missed you guys. Uh, I was scheduled to be here the first Sunday in June. And, uh, of course, you all know what happened to my mother. And uh, I appreciate all your prayers during this time that uh, Mom's been sick. And uh, she's in a better place now. And I'm thankful for that. But, boy, we miss her. Appreciate everybody that reached out, sent cards and messages and uh, gifts and things. It's just wonderful, wonderful. And uh, I, I just love this church. And uh, I agree with what this lady said over here about the spirit of being real. Doesn't matter how many people's there. The Lord says we're two or three are gathered together by name. He'd be in the midst of us. And so I'm glad for that. Well, if you have your copy of God's Word, if you turn to the book of Joshua, Joshua chapter 5, we take our text from this morning, and we're going to look at uh, Joshua 5, 13 through 15, and then go on to chapter 6 and look at verses 1 through 5, and I'll be uh, giving out more scripture as the message goes, but if you're able to stand, uh, would you please stand for reading God's word, Joshua chapter 5, verse uh, 13, Joshua 5, starting with verse 13. And here the Bible says, And it came to pass, when Joshua was by Jericho, that he lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, there stood a man over against him, with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him, and said unto him, Art thou for us, or for our adversaries? And he said, Nay, but as captain of the host of the Lord am I now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth, and did worship, and said unto him, What saith my Lord unto his servant? And the captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoes from off thy foot, for the place whereon thou standest is holy. And Joshua did so. Now Joshua 6 and 1. The Bible says, Now Jericho was strictly shut up before, or because of the children of Israel. None went out, and none came in. And the Lord said unto Joshua, See, I have given into thine hand Jericho, and the king thereof, and the mighty men of valor. And you shall compass the city, all ye men of war, and go round about the city once. Thus shalt thou do six days. And seven priests shall bear the before, uh, before the ark seven trumpets of ram's horns. And the seventh day you shall compass the city seven times. And the priests shall blow with the trumpets. And it shall come to pass that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout, with a great shout, and the wall of the city shall fall down flat, and the people shall ascend up every man straight before him. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for reading your word this morning. I pray now that you help us as we try to preach, Lord. Keep us out of the way. May you be seen, Lord. May we leave from this service today realizing just what a mighty God that we serve. And we'll give you all the praise and glory for it. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. Well, after the children of Israel had wandered around in the wilderness for 40 years because of their uh, lack of faith and because of their sin, uh, they wandered around there. You know, it only, it only took just a little while to get to the promised land from Egypt, but yet 40 years they were out there in that wilderness uh, just wandering around because of their sin. Uh, they are now poised and ready to enter into the land that God had promised them. And uh, their leader, Moses, is now dead. Uh, God took him up on that mountain. He was able to look out upon the promised land, but never able to enter into it because the Lord, that, that was what the Lord uh, had him do because of his disobedience. 
And uh, that's, you know, that ought to show us right there. A man as obedient as Moses was, that the Lord would not allow him to go into that promised land. And so uh, that ought to tell us something about God's uh, requirements upon us or his uh, desire for us to be obedient right. to him. Uh, more than anything, he wants our obedience. And so, uh, but this new generation of Israelites are now poised to enter the, the promised land. I believe it's only Joshua and Caleb, Caleb, who was of the original ones that uh, left Egypt, that were able to go into there. The rest of the, the older ones died off, and now their children are going into the promised land. And so their new leader, Joshua, he is doing everything that in his power to follow God's leadership to get the children of Israel over into the promised land. And we know he was faithful to Moses and, and he was the captain there of the, of the army. But God now has placed him as the leader of his people. Uh, we see them, they, they crossed over the swollen Jordan River because God yet once again allowed them to do that as they crossed over on the dry land across that uh, swollen river. And uh, it had caused their enemies' hearts to melt, the Bible said. And it, they had, their spirits had left them, the Bible said. All their enemies, their spirits had left them because of this. In fact, it disturbed the people of Jericho so much that they locked up their city, they shut the gates, locked them up, placed guards there, would not allow anyone to leave or enter into that city because they were so afraid of the children of Israel who were coming. And so they had posted guards all along the top of the wall to watch for this impending doom that was going to take place. Now, uh, before Joshua, the children of Israel, can enter into the promised land, they've got something they have to do. They have got to overcome a huge obstacle, and it's that wall of Jericho, the walls of Jericho. Uh, this looks to be something that is entirely impossible, humanly impossible. Jericho was the oldest city in the land. Uh, it was a well-established and thriving city. There were thousands of people that lived there, and their stone walls were known worldwide because of uh, it was impossible for them to be broken down. And so they felt very protected inside the city from all their enemies, including the children of Israel. They thought they had it okay uh, inside the city. Let me give you a few details that uh, history tells us about Jericho. Uh, the city of Jericho was built upon a large mound of earth, surrounded by an embankment with stone retaining uh, stone retaining wall at its base. On top of this, twelve to fifteen foot high retaining wall was another mud brick wall that was six uh, foot thick and about twenty five feet tall. Also, at the crest of this embankment was another similarly sized wall whose base was about forty five feet above ground level outside the retaining wall. So if you were standing in front of the retaining wall, it would appear to you that the wall was over 70 feet tall. There were houses built between the walls of the city, and there were houses on the other side of the final wall. So without a doubt, it seemed impossible for the Israelites to be able to conquer this city and overcome this tall wall that was in their way. Now I've titled the message today, How Tall Is Your Wall? How Tall Is Your Wall? This city, as I mentioned, had several thousand occupants in it. And they were prepared for a long siege. They had enough food. The harvest time was over. They'd stored things up. They had food and water. Would have lasted them for months, maybe even a year or more. And so they were prepared. Now, for time's sake, we're not going to read all of this account of what happened. happened but I want you to look down at verses 20 
and 21 there in Joshua chapter 6. Joshua chapter 6, verse 20. The Bible says, So the people shouted when the priests blew with the trumpets, and it came to pass when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, and the people shouted with a great shout, that the wall fell down flat, so that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. And they utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both man and woman, young and old, and ox and sheep and ass, with the edge of the sword. Now, what Joshua was able to do seems impossible to man. Yeah. To us, if we were standing in front of that wall, we would have said, this, there is absolutely no way that I'm going to be able to make this wall fall. There's no way that I'm going to be able to penetrate this city. We would take armies today. Of course, we've got all kinds of equipment where we may be able to think we could do something like that. But in that day and time, they didn't have what we have today. And so standing there, can you only imagine standing there in front of this wall and thinking we we're supposed to go in and defeat this city with this tall wall in our way? And, you know, most of us today would have said something like, you know, it, Joshua could have said something like this. Well, Lord, you know, we've done real good up to this point. And Lord, you know, we've conquered a lot of places and you've helped us out a lot of things, but... Now we're in front of this wall, and obviously there's simply no way that this wall is going to fall, and we can't get in there. Now, Joshua didn't say any of that. Uh, we probably would have done that. We'd probably stood there and said, well, it was good while well, it lasted, but it's gone. You know, we're, We'll just go back in the wilderness and wander around. We'll, we'll make our way over on the other side of Jordan. We'll, we'll be fine over there with those that decided to stay on that side anyway. And you know, uh, But look, things that seem impossible to man are possible with God. The Bible says in Mark 10 and 27, with men it is impossible, but not with God, for with God all things are possible. Yes. Uh, when the average person runs into a wall, what's the first thing that we do? We won't give up. When we have an obstacle in front of us, we say, well, I guess it wasn't meant to be. I've done that before in my life. I've had something that I thought God placed on my heart to do, some kind of mission or some kind of uh, thing that he wanted done. And, and when I went to do it, I, you know, something was standing in the way. And I was like, well, it must not have been meant. I must have understood wrongly. God must not have wanted this to happen. It wasn't his will. And so I just, I just quit. Listen, I look all through the Bible and I see people that had tall walls in front of them. Yet they didn't give up. Their faith lasted, and they were able to get through them with the help of the Lord. Amen. But we, we, you know, we look for things and excuses, and we, our faith is small, and and so we'll a lot of times we'll give up. Uh, when God commissioned Joshua to take over as leader of children of Israel, He said this to him in Joshua one and nine: "Have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of good courage." Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Now, I sat down this morning and I looked up here on the wall and I said, I, I read this. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither thou, uh, be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. And I thought to myself, as I struggled this morning, I've got two messages I want to preach so bad. And I kept struggling, Lord, which message do you want me to preach this morning? And when I sat down, my eyes immediately went over there. And I said, well, thank you, Lord. Now I know which one to preach. Amen. And so, listen, what makes us think as Christians 
that we have to face these laws alone. And that's one of my problems. I think it's all me. It's myself and it's I. And, you know, I don't have anybody to help me. Boo, hoo, hoo, you know. But yet we forget that we have a friend that's sticking closer than a brother. In Genesis 28 and 15, the Lord told Jacob, And behold, I am with thee and will keep thee in all places whither thou goest, and will bring thee again into this land, for I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. Over in Deuteronomy 31 and 6, when Moses was nearing the end, he gathered all the children of Israel around him, and he was giving them his last words. And he says in Deuteronomy 31, 6, Be strong and of good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, he it is that did go with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. You know, I, I truly believe in my heart that Joshua was a man of God, a great man of God, a man of faith. And he believed every word. But that Moses said he believed every word that God promised. And he was dead set to do God's will. In Joshua 1 and 5, the Lord told Joshua, I will be with thee, I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. When King David spoke to his son Solomon, 1 Chronicles 28 and 20, he said, Be strong and of good courage, and do it. Fear not, nor be dismayed, for the Lord God, even my God, will be with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee, until thou hast finished all the work for the service of the house of the Lord. The Hebrew writer, he says in Hebrews 13 and 5, For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Now, when we look through the Bible, we see men and women of God as they face obstacles in front of them. Now, we find these people that are being faithful and obedient to the Lord as it looks like they're in front of something that's impossible, and suddenly God makes things possible for them. Moses, do we remember him? As he came up there in front of that burning bush, and he was standing there, and, and the Lord told him to get his shoes off his own holy ground, and the Lord started speaking to him and telling him things he wanted him to do. What did Moses do? He started going through all the excuses, just like I do. He started going, but, 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 Lord, you, you, you know I can speak, 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 speak. He was the male tells in the Old Testament. And so uh, he had an insecurity problem. And in fact, later on, he even had a murder charge against him, even though we know it was the Lord's will. The Bible tells us this. And with the help of the Lord, though, he knocked all of those walls down that he had in front of him and became one of the greatest leaders who ever lived. One of the greatest men to ever do things for the Lord, despite all his problems, his speech problems, his insecurity feelings, his, his murder charge was against him there in Egypt. David, remember the little ruddy David? You remember him? As he was out tending his father's flock and they came along looking for men to fight. And, and kings to king crown. And as a young boy, he stood before a nine foot nine uncircumcised giant uh, Philistine from Gath named Goliath. This little boy, as he looked at him, his little red head, and, and told him, with the help of the Lord, with the Lord's help, I'm going to defeat you. And it seemed like an impossible task. In fact, the whole army of Israel had given up. I mean, they were, they were ready to throw him in the towel. There's nobody can defeat this man. He's going to eat us all. 
And so here comes little David, and he picked up five stones, I believe it was, and put them in a, in a little pouch, and he had a sling, and he goes up there, and with one of those stones, he rears back and lets that giant have it right in the center of the forehead. We all know what happened. David didn't even have a sword. He had to take the sword from the giant, cut his own head off there. And so uh, we see this very tall wall in front of this young man, but because of God's help, he was able to defeat the Philistine, and that wall came tumbling down. Uh, how about Elijah? I believe last time I was here, I preached on Elijah and how the, the Lord had caused the drought, and then uh, they went out there and he defeated the, the ones up on, on the mountain. But Elijah had to come over, overcome a lot of walls in his life. Uh, he had a, a problem, he had a, a self pity complex. Uh, he thought he was the only man still alive that, that loved the Lord and served the Lord. Uh, he got depressed. Uh, he asked the Lord to kill him. He, uh, you know, he had a death warrant against him as well. As we know, Jezebel was uh, sending her, uh, her uh, people after him to kill him. But with the help of the Lord, all those walls that were in front of Elijah got knocked down. And he was one of the greatest prophets to ever live. I'm reminded of one that, that I can see myself in. Perhaps you can too. Remember Peter? Peter was an angry, uneducated, stubborn, hot-headed, impulsive man. I mean, the Bible tells us all of his flaws. Not only did he have all of those problems, he denied the Lord. Not once, not twice, but three times. He denied the Lord. Now, if anybody had a wall to overcome, it would have been Peter. With the help of the Lord, Peter was able to knock that wall down. He saw forgiveness. He found forgiveness. And God used Peter like no other apostle. In fact, he gave him the keys of the kingdom of heaven on earth. And as he ushered in the New Testament church, as he stood there on the day of Pentecost and preached Jesus, and over 3,000 people were saved that day, as the Lord empowered the church. Who was the man preaching when he did it? Peter. Uneducated. Belligerent. Angry man that denied Jesus three times. Talk about a wall that needed to fall. The truth is, all of these walls seem insurmountable to us. And it looks like there's no way we can overcome them. But I want to tell you today, God has already made a way. Yeah. You know, I give this illustration quite a bit and apologize that I've done it here before, but many times we expect God to give us a roadmap. We want him to have like a random, or they random now, they might have, so I don't believe they even have those anymore, do they? Everybody uses a GPS now. But used to, we had these maps. And you could pull that thing out, it was this big, and you could follow your route all anywhere you wanted to go. You could go from here to Nashville, and without going on the interstate, you could follow all the roads in the map. And we want God to give us a map. You know, we have something we believe God wants us to do, and so we say, well, God, show me what I need to do. And we want him to say, here's you a map. And so we can say, okay, well, first I've got to do this and got to do that. I want you to know that God does not work that way. God wants us to walk on faith. And so what we have to do is we have to realize that God has made a way for us. And if we're obedient, we're faithful to God, and he will show us the way. He will lead us on that way. We don't have to have a roadmap. That would be nice, but we, 
we are not going to have that luxury. If you look back at Joshua 6 and 2, you'll notice that before Joshua and the children of Israel ever even, even started their march toward the city of Jericho, God had already made the way. He had already done it. In Joshua 6 and 2, the Bible says, And the Lord said unto Joshua, See, I have given into thine hand Jericho and the king thereof and the mighty men of battle. That was before they even did it. He told him, look, Joshua, let's see this. I've already gave them into your hands. Well, maybe you think, well, that was fortunate that the Lord did that for them. You know? Well, the Hebrew writer tells us why this happened. In Hebrews 11 and 30, the Bible says by, anybody know it? Faith. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. It did not say by a shout the walls fell. It didn't say because of their determination that the walls fell. It didn't say because of their great strength and power that the walls fell. It said by faith the walls of Jericho fell. <laughs> if you take faith out of the equation, the walls would never have fallen. The children of Israel would have never went into the promised land. And there'd be no reason for me to be standing here preaching this this morning. But by faith, those walls fell. Let me ask you this morning, how tall is your wall? <coughs> is there one standing in front of you and you think there is simply no way you're going to get over this thing? You know, my favorite gospel group growing up was the Kingsman Quartet. And they would sing a song about how uh, so high. So high you can't get over it. So low you can't get under it. And so wide you can't get around it. You've got to come in at the door. Well, there may be a wall in front of you that looks insurmountable. And you think there's simply no way you can get around it. And one of the things that we do, one of our problems we do, is that we think we have to help God out. You know, I've got to help you out, Lord. You're just not, <laughs> you're just not doing things the way that I think you ought to go. So... I'm going to give you a hand and show you what needs to be done here. Listen, God has given us several promises in his word that assures us that he is the one in control. You're not in control. God is the one in control. I'm reminded of several people in the Bible that thought they had to help God out. Let me remind you of this one. Who remembers Abraham? Abraham had a tall wall. His wife was over 90 years old and she was unable to have children. They wanted a child so bad. I mean, that was the thing back in those days. You needed a child, a male child especially. But you needed a child to carry on the family name. And they didn't have one of their own. And God told them that they were going to give them a child. And we know what happened. Sarah standing behind the tent laughing about it. And, uh, you know, Abraham thinking, well, there's no way. I mean, she's too old. I'm too old. This is not going to happen. But God told Abraham he was going to give him and, him and Sarah a son in their old age. Well, ten years went by since God said that. And what happened? What do you think happened in those ten years? Sarah and Abraham talked about it probably quite a bit. You know, the Lord said he was going to give us a, a son. But it really doesn't look like that's going to come, come about. It's not happening. We're going to have to take matters into our own hands. Let's do something about it. So what they did, they come into this plan. And so they devised a plan to have a child by Hagar, Sarah's handmaiden. 
Well, of course, this was not God's idea. This wasn't God's plan for them to do. And so they went out on their own, helping God out. And we all know the results. Because of their disobedience, we see what happened. Sarah became very jealous of Hagar, run her out. She felt betrayed by her husband. Abraham didn't know what to do, and, and he didn't fulfill his role as the, as the leader of the home. And so he said, well, Sarah, you do whatever you think's best, you know. So she runs Hagar off. And uh, Hagar had Ishmael, which made Abraham the father of the Arab nation. And so the conflict between the Muslims and the people of Israel is still going on to this very day. Why? Because these two people decided they were going to help God out and do his will for him. How'd that work out? Did God need their help? No, he didn't. Now, it doesn't mean he wasn't able to use their disobedience for his will to get done what he wanted done. And God will do that. But it doesn't mean that we're to go about doing our own will, saying, well, God will work things out, you know, even though I'm dumb and I did it my own way, you know. It doesn't work that way. We also become very impatient. And because of our impatience, we miss out on many blessings. Because we're so all fired to get things done. It took seven days of faith for the children of Israel to bring those walls of Jericho faith. Can you imagine what it had been like for the church of today if God had told the church of today to do what he told the church back then or, or the children of Israel to do back then? We'd have been saying that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Have you ever heard such a thing as this? Why in the world does God think that, that would even happen? That's not possible. We'd be devising our own ways to get those walls down. We'd be looking for somebody that was a dynamite expert. You know anybody works for mine? We'll blow those walls down. What does he mean making us march around these walls? That, that's ridiculous. Uh, who does he think he is? This is taking too much time. We need this to happen immediately. That's the church today. We want it now. If we got to go in debt, we're going to go in debt. Make it happen. There's churches today so in debt they can't even afford to pay their life bill. I know a church that was a great church in the day, and they are over a million dollars in debt and don't know what they're going to do. Listen, we don't need to think or to rush things in God's plan. God makes things happen on his own timetable. And that's one of our biggest problems. We're impatient. We think we've got to have it immediately. You know, young people today, they get married and they think they've got to have everything their parents have. You know, they don't think they've got to work for 40 years to get what mom and dad's got. They want it as soon as they get married. You know, have you, ever, have you seen any of these bridal uh, um, what they call, uh, registers where they register things? They're getting things up in the thousands of dollars. I mean, they, they want, want it all. Uh, impatient. And so they'll go in debt, buy everything their parents had, and then work the rest of their lives trying to pay debt off and never get it done. Nowadays, if we have to wait more than five minutes at a fast food restaurant, I'm guilty. I get so upset. I become livid. Uh, I might have told you one time that we were in Kentucky Fried Chicken one time, sitting in line, and it's forever. It's forever. And we finally get to the window. And we get up there and to get our order and to tell us how much. And I put our debit card through the window. They said, our, our card machine's not working. We only take cash. You talk about somebody that almost went through the roof of the car. I mean, and 
at the time I was pastoring the church and I had the church's name on a license plate on the front of our vehicle. And as I was about to get enraged, my wife told me, she said, don't forget the church name's on the front of the car. And so I immediately started calming down. But look, we think we've got to have things right now. We go to Cracker Barrel, the waitress don't bring us our tea in a timely manner. We want to see the manager. <laughs> you know? And uh, microwave popcorn. Remember when you used to have to put it in a pan and put it on top of the stove and shake around and go on and, and all that stuff and burn it half the time? Now we need it in the microwave and, and within two minutes you've got a big bag of popcorn with butter on it. Uh, our internet connection. We better have 5G on our phone or, or higher now. They're going up to 6G. We got to have that now. And our Wi Fi at home better be the same as well. If I've got to wait more than two seconds to get online, then something is wrong. People want a 15 minute sermonette today rather than a sermon the preacher has spent hours uh, studying, preparing, and praying over. They'd rather have a little 15 minute uh, speech of some kind. A little ditty. You know, they want to, uh, what's those little books that you, you get? Uh, bread, they want you to read out of bread a lot books or something, give them a little thing out of that. But there's a problem getting everything on the man. It's never as good. It is never as good. Instant potatoes, don't hold a candle. Them Idaho's you've peeled, you put on the stove and bowl for 20 minutes, then you put a stick of butter in them and a whole can of cream. They, the, the instant ones don't hold a candle to that. You may get the instant ones in three minutes, but let me tell you what, you better wait 30 more to get the real thing. And there ain't no sermonette going to hold up to a sermon that a pastor has on his heart that wants to stand and deliver it to say, this is what God says. It's not going to even compare. The truth is the Battle of Jericho, as we call it, was really not much of a battle. God had it all took care of. And it was more of a spiritual battle than a physical. Now, we know after the walls fell, the children of Israel went in and slew everyone there, even the animals, as God had told them to do. But we will never see the walls in our life fall down as long as, long as we're relying upon our own strength. As long as we are trying to be the ones to take the lead in the battle, we're not going to see that wall fall. What we must do is what the Bible teaches us, and that is to be obedient to the Lord. And by faith, we'll see those walls fall. Hebrews 11 and 30, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. So, before the first march had ever been marched, before the first shout was ever shouted, before the first blast of the trumpet was blasted, something had to happen. They had to have faith. They had to have faith. Do you not think a God who could speak the world into existence couldn't have just spoke the words and, and caused the walls to fall? Sure he could have. He could have done that. Could not the giver and sustainer of life not pulverize the city walls and allow the children of Israel just to walk straight in? Without a doubt, he could have done that. But if that is not how God wanted this to happen, before those walls could fall, the children of Israel had to demonstrate their faith. The Bible says again in Hebrews 11 and 6, but without faith, 
it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Let me ask you something this morning. What is preventing you from knocking down the wall that's in your way? What's preventing you? Is it getting over your past? Is it your past that's haunting you? Listen, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and all unrighteousness. Have you been trying to do it all by yourself and leaving God out of your plans? I'm guilty of doing that a lot. I think, well, Lord, you know, I've got the means, I've got the know-how, I've got the skill and the talent, I can do this. And leave God completely out of the picture. Is that what's causing the wall to keep standing there in front of us? Is it because of our being self-reliant? Or is it because of our lack of faith? I believe it all boils down to our lack of faith. Our lack of seeking God's will. Our lack of relying upon Him for all of our needs. Our lack of, of being obedient is because of our lack of faith. All it just takes is to pray. Just a little tiny grain of faith. And we can move mountains. Let's turn it over to the Lord today. I don't know what your wall is, but let's follow His will. Let's be faithful to the Lord. And by faith, watch those walls fall. Brother Scott, would you come and get a song? And I, I'll give an invitation this morning. That's okay. And uh, as we sing there, I want to pray first. And you pray with me. Heavenly Father, God, we come to you today, Lord, just seeking for your guidance. Lord, help us with our lack of faith. Lord, help us in those times of disobedience. God, we know that you can do all things. Lord, with us, things are impossible. But God, you say in your word that with God, all things are possible. Lord, I don't know the hearts of every man and woman in this building today, but I know you do. Lord, you know my heart. You know our insecurities. God, you know our our flaws, you know, our sin, you know the things we harbor in the very recesses of our mind and heart. We're asking you today, Lord, to help us with those things. Those things that are hindering us from being able to make that wall fall. God, you're the only one that can help us. Lord, may we throw ourselves at your mercy. Help us today, Father. God, if there's one here today that needs help, Lord, would you help us? Help them, Lord. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Go ahead, brother. If you need help.